are now in the heart of hurricane season for the state of Louisiana, and we've got some important information to share with you today. Hello and welcome to the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. We will take a look at what has been, up to this point, a very slow Atlantic hurricane season. But as anyone along the Gulf Coast will tell you, things can change quickly. At the time of this recording, there have only been a handful of tropical threats along the Gulf Coast. On this episode, we will hear from Laura Mellum, the Public Engagement Manager for the NOLA Ready Program in the New Orleans Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. NOLA Ready is one of several resources across the state offered by our local partners. These sites, along with GOSEP's Get a Game Plan campaign, provide you with a wealth of information on all phases of an emergency, from preparedness and response through the recovery stage for larger events. Laura will explain the goals of her outreach and break down some of the information they provide and tell you what resources are available. But first, we will hear from Frank Rivette, the acting meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service office for New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Frank will discuss some of the factors involved in our season so far. We will also hear from him about what we can expect as we head into what is traditionally a hot time for tropical activity here in Louisiana. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. GOSEP is the Louisiana State Coordinating Agency for resources needed to handle an emergency. Each parish has an Office of Emergency Preparedness Director. Should an emergency strain resources at the local level, we step in to offer state support. One of the things we do each show is give you a preparedness tip. Today's tip involves restocking your supply kit. If you're like me and have kids at home, there's a good chance that someone may have tapped into some of your basic supplies like bottled water or batteries. As we move into August and September, our peak time for tropical activity, use this time to recheck your supplies and make sure you and your family have enough resources to last at least three days. The simple catchphrase Florida uses is, the first 72 is on you. You can review a comprehensive supply checklist by downloading the Louisiana Emergency Preparedness Guide at getagameplan.org or by downloading the Get a Game Plan app. A checklist is one of the features on that app. That is your preparedness tip for this episode. Our first guest today is Frank Rivette with the National Weather Service Office for Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Frank, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. You know, at the time of this recording, uh, we're in late July, but obviously we're heading into the peak of hurricane season for Louisiana, the peak time when historically we've seen a lot of activity, August and September, October, that range. We have kind of had a slow season uh, so far in the Atlantic Basin. Can you talk to us about that and tell us what some of the... uh, environmental issues uh, may be in play causing that? Well, there's a couple of atmospheric conditions probably affecting this. We've had probably a little above normal uh, wind shear out in the Caribbean and Atlantic, so that's probably inhibited that. Some suggestion the ocean's temperature out in the tropical Atlantic is a little below normal. So a variety of factors can come together on um, what you would call a slow start to the season. But I tell you, we've had a lot of seasons where it's turned around pretty quickly. 
and we've had an active season. You know, one of the things, uh, I guess, we're kind of fortunate to be able to see a lot of the presentations that you guys do around the state. And one of the things that always kind of fascinated me was talking about those years where you didn't see a lot of activity, but all of a sudden you had a, a major storm that impacted Louisiana. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Just a couple of good examples is 2004. It really started off as a pretty quiet year. Uh, we had no named storms through the end of July. We eventually ended up with 15 named storms. Four of those hit Florida, and actually one of them, Ivan, it didn't hit Louisiana, but it uh, was a close enough approach that it hit, uh, that it, when it was heading up toward us, there were a lot of evacuations in our area. Uh, Ivan eventually hit the Mobile, Pensacola area, did a lot of damage over there. So 2004 is a real good example. Then you go back into the 90s, and probably a very dramatic example was uh, Hurricane Andrew was the first named storm of the year, and that didn't happen until the middle of August, and it turned into a Category 5 in South Florida, and it hit uh, South Central Louisiana as a Category uh, 3 hurricane. So those are just a couple of examples where you can cruise along and nothing much going on in the tropics, and all of a sudden things get very active, and you have to take some pretty drastic action. It's good to see that the uh, resources that you guys put out and, and a lot of our local media put out to keep people informed, even some of these afternoon thunderstorms this time of year can cause a lot of problems for people. Any advice for people, you know, when you're dealing with these types of situations where there's not as much notice as a tropical event? Certainly, you're right. Anytime we get, um, we have such a high moisture content in our app, here that uh, sometimes if we get some strong thunderstorms that persist over an area, it can produce a tremendous amount of rainfall in a short period of time. It may not be over a widespread area, but in your, if yours happen to be in that specific area and um, uh, where it's raining tremendously heavy, you can get some, of course, some street flooding causes some issues. And so Certainly, we just encourage people to pay attention to what's going on in the weather. Uh, maybe before they get out and travel um, on their commute, maybe take a look at the radar, take a look at the forecast, what's going on. It may be wise to kind of delay um, getting in your car for, you know, 30, 40 minutes to let the storms pass instead of getting out in the middle of it. We've had kind of a long stretch now where we haven't seen a lot of tropical activity here in Louisiana directly. Any concerns that the public may kind of let their guard down uh, when we see a stretch like this develop? Yeah, I think most of these uh, sociological studies would show that the longer you go between a storm, maybe people just that memory of what it was like begins to fade. So you do get people maybe a little more lax. So that's something I know uh, we worked a lot on, and you guys at the uh, emergency management office, state level, the parish level, work on this is just always going out and communicating these threats to make sure people, you know, we live in a very uh, hurricane-prone area as far as impact. Uh, we, of course, we have a long history of significant impacts from hurricanes, so we always want to make sure people don't let that uh, let their guard down and always have a plan and be ready to engage and take action. So we are kind of focused, you know, this is kind of moving into the what we commonly refer to as the heart of hurricane season. 
Uh, again, you can see a lot of storms begin to, to back up, maybe two, three, four storms all across the Atlantic uh, kind of heading in this direction. What exactly causes the ramp up, I guess, this time of year? Why do we see a lot of conditions like that this time of year? Oh, I don't know if it's quite clearly understood. There's just some long-range things that go on where certain things have to come together just at the right time and place for some of these conditions. You can't have a lot of wind shear. You have to have these disturbances coming off of Africa. Uh, There's no dry air in the middle part of the atmosphere. Sometimes you get this dust coming off of Africa and they can inhibit. So it takes uh, just the right amount of circumstances, the right kind of uh, conditions coming together at at one time. And it just doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, uh, you can get three, four storms, like you said, that can develop uh, in succession. So certain specific conditions have to come together at the right time. And typically the best window is middle of August through um, September, early October for our area. It's kind of amazing to see that happen. So uh, again, we hope everyone really pays attention to what's going on, especially over these next few months. Yeah. When uh, you see the forecast adjusted, in the course of a year, you know, we try to tell the public don't put too much stock in in what the predictions call for because, you know, as as you guys always say, all it takes is one to really uh, get your attention. But is there anything you see prediction wise, you know, for the next few months uh, from the atmosphere? Anything you can tell us? Well, you know, I think um, some of the groups that issue longer range forecasts have kind of tweaked their forecast numbers down a little bit. Our parent organization, NOAA, will update uh, their longer-range forecast when we get into the early part of August. Uh, you know, and they'll be looking at things like uh, upper-level wind shear across the Caribbean and the Atlantic. They'll look at some water temperature conditions out there in the Caribbean Atlantic. But as you mentioned uh, uh, earlier, Mike, is is really we, we have seen uh, things turn around in a hurry and we can just have one storm, and if it happens to hit you, it's it's a bad hurricane. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, the best advice now is, uh, you know, certainly you can pay attention to the longer-range forecast, but on a preparedness level, at the local level, at your level, uh, everybody needs to kind of have a plan and, and be ready for a hurricane. Uh, anytime we get into that August, September. You know, we have four great National Weather Service offices that cover Louisiana, the New Orleans office, the Lake Charles office, the Shreveport office, and actually Jackson, Mississippi comes into play for for a portion of Northeast Louisiana. Tell the public about some of the resources that you have available to kind of keep them informed uh, about these weather events. Yeah, we have four offices that serve Louisiana. We have round-the-clock coverage. Uh, there are two to three forecasters minimally on site uh, at all these spots throughout the day and night, uh, 365 days a year. Uh, we've got a um, extensive radar system covers Louisiana. Uh, NOAA, National Weather Service, has recently brought online some really impressive high-resolution satellite imagery uh, from, from a new satellite that was launched in the last couple of years. So we're always looking for ways to you know, improve uh, both the technology, what we're doing. Also, we've worked a lot with emergency management uh, at the parish and state level on, you know, just preparedness for the parishes and the individuals, make sure they know the hazard and react to them. 
We also have spent a lot of time with sociology experts in looking at our products and trying to tailor them so we're communicating what they're intended to communicate. So I think it's a good team effort that the Weather Service works with the the state and local uh, parish emergency managers and, you know, just keep the public informed and ready when we get any type of weather issue facing us. And one of the things that uh, I've learned over the years is, and and a lot of times we're at these events together, you guys go around and do presentations for different groups, civic groups, and and different organizations. Uh, Anything you want to tell the public about uh, those efforts? Yeah, we try to go out there as best we can to do uh, public uh, safety-type presentations, hurricanes, severe weather, and um, certainly anyone in the state can contact their local National Weather Service office and uh, see if they can uh, request uh, some sort of safety presentation. They can just go out to weather.gov, and they'll see a map of the United States, and you just click in your area, and you'll come up with the forecast office that serves your area. So, yeah, that's always a good resource. Again, we're kind of focused on on hurricane season with this episode, but one of the things I've really noticed and I uh, actually pay attention to just for my own personal benefit is uh, kind of taking a look at what you guys post on Facebook and Twitter uh, maybe around 5 o'clock in the morning. And just about every office will give you a good update for that particular day on what you can expect weather-wise. Uh, so it's a, a great resource that you guys provide. There are different, so many different means of communication now than there were 10 years ago. And certainly uh, we have adapted uh, the social media into our in our communication uh, with Facebook, we give some messages out there. Of course, Twitter, uh, a lot of our warnings and information, we, we push out to that stream, too. So, yeah, then we always encourage people, don't rely on one specific means, because that may go down, but have mul- multiple ways that you can get your uh, weather information. That's always a good practice. The final thing I'd like to ask you about is the importance of relying on solid information, especially if we do face a tropical threat. Uh, tell us a little bit about that importance and, and why you should only get information from a trusted source like the National Weather Service. Yeah, we are, of course, National Weather Service. Uh, we have Hurricane Center, great website, the local National Weather Service office, great website. Uh, we also work with our our TV broadcast meteorologist, uh, we have workshops with them at least once a year. They attend a lot of the hurricane conferences. And so, yeah, these all these partners working together to get the, the solid information out to the public. All right. I appreciate it. Frank, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, keep up the good work. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Now we will move to the emergency resource segment for this episode. It is important for the state to grow our ability to be more resilient when we face an emergency. One way to do that is with the help of volunteers. If you want to find out more, check out GOSEP's main webpage, gosep.org, and click on the Volunteer Toolkit. There is a section on the Louisiana Voluntary Organizations Active in Disasters, or Louisiana VOAD. That will explain some of the great partnerships we have formed over the years involving volunteers. There is also a section on Volunteer Louisiana, the lieutenant governor's efforts to rekindle the spirit of service and citizenship 
to help us help our neighbors. You can also find information about some of the volunteer groups working here in Louisiana and across the country. That's today's resource segment. Joining us in studio is Laura Mellum, the Public Engagement Manager for the NOLA Ready Program in the New Orleans Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about the NOLA Ready Program and and what's the overall plan for the campaign? NOLA Ready is the City of New Orleans Emergency Preparedness Campaign. We're managed by the New Orleans Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. But we also work closely with our partner agencies at the New Orleans Health Department, Emergency Medical Services, and the Fire Department. And our goal with NOLA Ready is to communicate all the kinds of risks that we face as a region. Those are both natural and man-made disasters that might happen here. And to help individuals and organizations prepare for those kinds of risks. You know, one of the things that we've noticed just kind of monitoring uh, what you guys are doing, there's a lot of good emergency preparedness type information, but you kind of expand beyond that sometimes with with different issues that may affect the public. Absolutely. So we do take what's called an all hazards approach. Uh, for a lot of the year, we're really focusing on hurricane season. As you can imagine, that's a, a major risk that we do face and we're helping residents and organizations prepare for hurricane season. But we also talk a lot about a lot of other issues um, that can include flooding from your daily rain events. Um, We also do a lot of work around special events. Um, So you'll see NOLA Ready communicating with the public during Mardi Gras about uh, public safety issues, um, tips on staying safe at a parade, where to find public restrooms, um, and also with weather delays and parade delays as well. That's true. There's always a party in New Orleans, I guess, to get ready for. Uh, as far as the platforms you guys use, what are some of the uh, platforms you're using and, and what are some of the goals uh, along those lines? We have a really strong digital presence. So we do have a new website that we launched uh, in 2017 that, again, focuses on all hazards and has some really simple preparedness tips for residents to go to. Um, We're also on social media. So for those of you out there who uh, follow social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Nextdoor. And then we do manage an emergency alert system. So for residents who are living in New Orleans, you can get alerts about emergencies directly from us at the city of New Orleans by either texting your zip code to 888-777 or signing up with more options on our website, which is ready.nola.gov. We also work really closely with a lot of uh, community organizations, so we do offer in-person trainings on a lot of these issues as well. That can be something like a business continuity training for small businesses that's really focused on uh, preparing your business for an event like a mandatory evacuation to ensure that you're still able to pay your staff and to operate your business uh, from afar We also offer active shooter trainings for organizations like Houses of Worship or community centers that we've seen, unfortunately, be victims of attacks across the country. And so that's just uh, helping organizations be more prepared for uh, the potential of an active attack. Topics that that people need to be ready for. And one of the things you hit on, you know, that business continuity, uh, if you can't bring the businesses back, like we've learned with a lot of these larger events that have hit Louisiana, it's really difficult to bring the public back uh, in a whole manner, I guess. So uh, it's good to see you guys are are taking a look at that. 
You know, I, I had the chance to kind of meet with you and some of the other people involved in public information for the New Orleans region. It sounds like you guys are kind of teaming up in some ways uh, with the parishes in this region to kind of help uh, with the information flow. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nola Reddy and the New Orleans office works really closely with our partner agencies in St. Bernard, Plaquemines, and Jefferson to ensure that we have uh, sort of standard messaging around these kinds of risks. And especially that we're working together during an emergency and communicating with all of our residents who might be commuting between parishes. You know, NOLA Ready is one of the local uh, campaigns that we monitor at the state level on a regular basis. There are a lot of good campaigns like this across the state. And and I kind of want to compliment you guys because maybe you have loved ones or, you know, you could have kids in college and, and maybe you live in a different part of the state, but this is a great way to keep up with what's going on in that community, especially if you see like a weather event uh, impacting an area. It's always good to look for these local resources. Do you find people are, are more engaged now maybe than a few years ago with these uh, social media campaigns and some of the other efforts that you're doing? Absolutely. I think, you know, even in the last five years, social media has completely changed the landscape of communications in general, but especially communications during crisis events. Um, Because of the number of tourists and also, as you mentioned, you know, college students that are here in New Orleans, we have to be sure that we're communicating in a way that makes sense both for our residents who are longtime New Orleanians, but also to people around the world who might be watching what's going on in New Orleans. So it certainly is a balancing act. um, And we find that our social platforms are really important to communicate that message around the world. We kind of encourage everybody to check with your local partners. You know, we're, we're kind of focused on New Orleans here today, but check with your local uh, emergency managers and your sheriff's office. See what they have available. A lot of times there's more out there than you may realize. Uh, and, and again, if you have loved ones in a different part of the state, it's a great way to kind of keep up with what's going on in an area uh, if you have loved ones or, or children or someone in that area. Um, tell us a little bit about... Uh, this year, are there any specific messages this year that you're dealing with the public uh, that you really want to kind of emphasize and, and have people pay attention to? Uh, this year, NOLA Ready launched a year-long preparedness calendar. And so we actually have preparedness messages for each month of the year. Of course, during the summer, we're always focused on hurricane season. And so you'll hear us hit on that message over and over again to stay connected during hurricane season, make a plan both to evacuate and a plan to shelter in place during a lower level storm, and then finally to gather supplies both for your evacuation kit and your home kit. Um, but you know, we'll, we're also focusing this summer on uh, the potential for heavy rain and, and low level flooding during those rainstorms. So um, some of that messaging is around flood insurance. We did in 2016 adopt new flood maps in New Orleans, which actually brought a lot of properties that were previously considered to be in flood zones outside of those flood zones. And so those properties are most likely eligible for a lower insurance rate now. But unfortunately, we did see in 2017 about 8,000 policies dropped across the parish. And of course, we are still in a hurricane-prone area. And so we're encouraging all residents and homeowners to have flood insurance um, the average cost of uh, an annual premium in, in the city of New Orleans is $650, and that you know somewhat low rate can go a long way in your recovery efforts um, should an, a flood event happen. You know, we've mentioned that just about every presentation we do across the state. It's, it's always important for people to realize that flooding is our number one concern 
whether it's related to a tropical event or not. Uh, and, and a lot of the training, I know that we've been working with you guys and, and a lot of our other partners, uh, a lot of the training is now focused on these short notice or no notice events, you know, like a major rain event that just kind of pops up in an afternoon thunderstorm. So there's a lot to be ready for. And, and again, take advantage of these resources like the NOAA Ready campaign and uh, find out what's available. Um, as far as uh, what you're doing uh, as an office right now, do you feel like there needs to be more engagement from the public? Is there any information flow coming from the public that actually helps you guys out? Absolutely. So we have a really strong network of, of community and faith organizations alongside our, our what we call VOAG groups, volunteer organizations active during disaster. And they serve not only to help you know, in the immediate response and recovery during a disaster, but also to provide us with information that we might not already have on the ground. And so, um, you know, we do encourage community leaders to help provide situational awareness during an event. And we also monitor social media for uh, that kind of information as well, so that we've got that coming in, both through our emergency services lines and through um, what we are hearing from our community leaders. So we are pretty much in the heart of hurricane season. Uh, as we're recording this episode now, we've been fortunate that, that it's been an extremely slow season so far, but we know it only takes a matter of days before that can change. August and September is usually when we see our, our tropical activity really start to ramp up where you could see a couple of storms back to back to back, you know, out in the, uh, out in the Atlantic and, and moving our way. Any message you want to get out to the public as we head into this peak time of the season that, that you would like to stress right now? Yeah, and you know, now is the time to review your plans. Make sure that everyone in your family is on the same page about what you're going to do should a hurricane or tropical event come our way. Um, really, the three main points that we hit on in every presentation that we do is for you to stay connected, make a plan, and gather supplies. So again, stay connected by signing up for emergency alerts with us at ready.nola.gov. And just make sure that you're watching the news, you're up to date on what's going on so that you're not caught off guard. You also want to have a communication plan in place uh, so that you can contact your family members should you need to during an emergency. In a hurricane scenario, we really encourage folks to have two plans for two different scenarios. So one is if it's depending on the severity of a storm, the city might issue a mandatory evacuation order. And if that happens, all residents and visitors must leave. If it's a lower level storm and we don't issue a mandatory evacuation, it's up to you. You can still evacuate or you can shelter in place. Um, so you really want to have a shelter in place plan that uh, ensures that you have enough supplies to sustain you and your family and your pets for three days, potentially without power or potable water. And make sure that you've got non-perishable food, water, and medications that you'll need to be on your own for three days. Uh, for your evacuation plan, we encourage residents to know where, how, and with whom they're going. Uh, during a mandatory evacuation, the state will institute what's called contraflow, and that means that all traffic goes in one direction on major highways, and that's outside of the city. So that can change some of the exit and entrance ramps, um, so plan your, your route ahead of time to make sure that you can get there during contraflow. Great advice. Hopefully we don't need contraflow. You know, if, if the public heeds the evacuation warnings early enough, uh, we may not get to that point, but it's always easier to evacuate on your own than to wait for that contraflow system to be enacted because uh, there's a lot of heartache that goes with that. You're not allowed to go exactly where you may want to go 
and some other factors. You could be stuck in traffic for several hours, so definitely great advice to think about those evacuation plans as early as possible. Uh, we've been speaking with Laura Mellum, the Public Engagement Manager for NOLA Ready. We appreciate you coming by. Any any final words for the public you'd like to get out? I guess I would just add that New Orleans does have what's called a special needs registry, and that's for our particularly vulnerable community members who have either medical or mobility needs. And so if that might apply to you, I'd encourage you to sign up uh, for the special needs registry by calling 311 or going to our website, readyatnola.gov. We'll work with you to make sure that you have an evacuation plan that works for you. That's also great advice because the more information we have on those particular types of cases from your level on up, it helps everybody with the planning phase. It helps people know where you're at, what needs you may uh, require. So good advice again. Laura, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Laura Mellum and Frank Rivette for the information they provided today. We want to thank the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. For more on the topics we talked about today, go to getagameplan.org and don't forget to follow GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. We'll see you again in September. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.